Hello and welcome back to Absurdity. I'm Ryan Becker and I am joined by my dashing co-host, Henry Johnson. Oh, I can't See? handle this much flattery. Uh, well, it's only once a week, so don't that that worries me for how little flattery you get outside of this context. I'm in ministry, which means you get very little flattery. That's actually, yep, that's true. Um, you are somehow <laughs> never enough and yet the only person who can do the thing. Um, and yet you never do it, but you never do it correctly. According to people who don't do your job. Correct. Yeah, so, th- you know, reasonable. Sounds like just a normal working job. You're either never enough or you're so good you end up flaming out as some sort of mega church pastor that takes advantage of women or money or both or whatever. Yeah, basically, essentially. Because you think you're entitled um, to it all. Yeah, it's very... Or the other the other end of that is you're so good at what you do and what you do is actually like you you go into a like a, a broken church or like a, like a really small damaged church or controversy, whatever. And you build that church back up and now you become known as basically the trauma surgeon pastor and you only end up working with with churches that are in that situation and so you never actually get to work with a fully healthy functional church you Why only are you talking get to work... about my ministry i think see um because <laughs> mine was on that same track that's why um just part of life so i am this is a great episode to talk about this, given last week's episode, uh, Driving While Black with with Anthony Carter, which you, if you have not listened to... You need you to go, listen to it. Yeah. And go watch it, because uh, it's on YouTube. We are on my YouTube channel. It is. We are trying to do all video episodes as well from now on. Um, and so, yeah, you can actually go see that interview live and watch my camera die every 10 minutes. Which might be a good time to mention, if you want to not see his camera die every 10 minutes, head on over to Patreon, and we appreciate your support, whatever that might be. All right, back to your original yes. point. Amen. Um, yeah, I, and if you, haven't, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. It's a really poignant uh, episode where uh, Anthony, who's a police chaplain, chaplain um, a black police cha- chaplain who uh, shares his experiences, actually his first experience with racial profiling, and he shares what it's like to now be a father who's now teaching his daughters to drive. Um, and it was interesting because there was actually a, a YouTube comment on this uh, from someone who has watched a lot of my videos and, and I'm very grateful for. And it's very easy to watch that interview, I think, and, and, and potentially walk away with thinking that, that we were excusing the actions of cops and or being sympathizers in any way, shape or form. And while we are sympathetic to good cops, um, I, I do want to bring a clarification just in case there's anyone who, else out there who, who might walk away with this, which is that the only police officers that Anthony defended in that interview were the police officers that he knows personally and that he has seen, like, you know, work. In other words, he didn't defend a single cop outside of those that he could really actually verify, like, they're in this to do good and to serve the community and protect the community. Those are the only people that he defended. And um, anyone else, it's not that he had just outright attacked, but he wasn't going to give anyone just the pure benefit of the doubt. Um, that was not that level of, of sympathizing going on. So yeah. just wanted and we to bring re- that And we recognize that we live in a super polarized world right now and that these issues are emotionally charged. And so that's part of the risk we take in engaging with them. But we would like to encourage all of our listeners and even non-listeners, everybody needs to, we need to learn listening skills. That doesn't mean we agree. 
but we have two ears and one mouth, so we should probably listen twice as much to make sure we we get a sense of what somebody is saying before immediately just going haywire. And once you get a sense of it, if you still don't like it, that's your right, and we're not saying that you shouldn't. We're not saying immediately support it because we talked about it, but yeah. just you know, get, give us a give us a little bit of grace as we talk through these issues and. Give us some more grace today because we get to here. Keep, um, yeah, cheer up, it gets worse. So, well, I find it funny too that that podcasters would say, "Listen twice as much as you speak." Uh, while we're on a podcast where we talk for an hour, uh, <laughs> I just think that's funny. Uh, but I agree with you a hundred percent. And there are times where you listen enough and you still find out that what we say is problematic. In which case, we, I, like that's what I'm saying. Please keep commenting when you encounter something that you are you know, that feels controversial or that you're, you know, really wrestling with or, or grappling with, if there's something that rubbed you the wrong way, there's a pot, there's a complete realistic chance that we said something incorrectly or that we approached something in a way that we should not have approached. And, and that's the difficulty of being a podcast where we're trying to navigate these conversations is that you're watching us navigate them, which means that we could get it wrong. And in those moments, we do want to apologize and we do want to be shown the error so that we can make it right. That's really important to us. So just just something to, to put out there too. But today we're talking uh, two things simultaneous because they happened simultaneously. Or near is, simultaneously. Yeah, or near simultaneously, which is the Derek Chauvin trial and the uh, Makia Bryant shooting in Columbus. Now, I know there are other shootings that, that are being talked about. Andrew Brown in North Carolina. Uh, that's a big one right now. Um, and, it and seems to be a new shooting every other day to talk about. Unfortunately. And I, I think we'll get to get to a lot of them. I think sometimes we don't talk about these things, not because we don't want to, but, but it almost feels like what else do we say when this keeps happening time and time again? Like it's, it's, you know, and, and I get that we're not the only ones who experience that frustration, but that's sometimes why we don't jump on a topic immediately. It's because we're trying to figure out what way, what we can add to the conversation or what framework we can take it. And obviously we're prefacing all this by saying we're two white guys talking about this. So it's going right. to color in, that conversation in one way, shape, or form, no matter what we do. Right. And this is going to be an interesting, too, because we're going to discuss two interrelated issues. One in which, in theory, all of the evidence has now been presented because a trial has actually taken place. And unlike most trials, which aren't televised or you don't necessarily have access to all the material, this was actually one of the first trials, I think the first trial in Minnesota history, for sure, that had been broadcast. Mm. And and so we could watch, uh, to a certain extent, obviously some witnesses, they didn't turn the cameras on and, and, and whatnot, but we got to hear the evidence presented as if we were sitting in the courtroom if you chose to take the time to do that. So in, in one sense, this is one of the few issues that we probably have discussed, to be fair, that a, a plethora of evidence was brought by both sides. In other words, what they thought was the most important stuff to bring, they brought because it's a trial. Yep. So that's been heard, and it's rare that we, let's be honest, it's rare that we get to talk about things where that much evidence and research has been done by people that have a vested interest in doing it. Because most of us say, well, I have an interest because of the topic, but, but you're not about to go to jail. So, you know, we, so in one sense, that issue, we probably have a lot more detail than anything else we've been able to discuss. And on the other one, we have some video evidence. That is, we'll get into, could, whew, that's, that's going to be a doozy, because yes, we don't technically have all of the evidence yet but from what you see it's whew. so we get to talk about perceptions again perspectives and yep. again the the maddening 
craziness of all of this. So that's what we get to dive into today. Yes, absolutely. And and I think a good place to start is the Chauvin trial. I think we had we've touched on it a couple times where um where we've mentioned and alluded to the fact that like everyone expected, uh the basic defense was we're going to put George Floyd on trial. Um very much trying to prove he was a criminal or that he died of other reasons. And which I get it in in a position like this where you really don't have that much of a defense, uh you've got to come up with something. I just well, hate it, that it's, it's always character assassination. I, I, I was going to say, well, it's like ad hominem arguments. It's used even outside of the courtroom. If I can't win, I'll be like, well, you're just ugly or you're dumb. All right. And as soon mm-hmm. as you can start fighting, uh, there is something to be said that it always seems to be the case in trials with police officers that you assault the character of, well, this person had a history of whatever, and therefore nothing wrong with this person. Uh, the thing that yeah. stood out to me most was, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, the defense or the prosecution took 11 days to present their case, and the defense took like two. Yep. Which isn't necessarily very... evidence. I know some people are like, well, that's kind of pushing it. What if it's so clear that they're, the defense is right? You can do it in two days. Well, okay, maybe, but it's just a disparity. And it was like 400 witnesses on one side and like eight on the other. Again, that's not always a, a a testament to the strength of an argument, but yeah, it, the the other issue is yeah there there was a lot of people out that that were presenting an emotional case, and I think there was some of that from the prosecution. But I think what they were trying to paint was a picture of like there is no one there reasonably that day, whether it was the doctors who first worked with him, other police or other people on site, uh, bystanders. There's not a single person there that had the impression that he was dying for any other reason, and the and and you know drug and and toxicology reports and autopsies pretty much revealed the same and so i think this one was more of a kind of a closer to an open and shut one that that um but it it just speaks to how much work in something that seems so so for lack of a better phrase black and white almost um it 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 just speaks to how hard it is to find justice and accountability in these in these matters when it took 11 days of of evidence being presented and we were all still on edge uh, regarding what the verdict and outcome would actually be. Right. I mean, to find a little bit of hope, it, it, it does encourage me somewhat. And I say this as one who knows that the system is broken, but it, it doesn't, let me not say, but when you say, but you can discount the right. The system is broken. That yes. being said, I found encouragement in the fact that a multi-racial jury that did have more Caucasian members on it than African-American. And there's a whole bunch of debate we could have about how jury selection is done, but that they, it didn't take them more than 10 hours to come to a unanimous decision. And these trials have to be a, a jury. If you understand how juries work, it has to be unanimous for them to convict you on something else. They don't convict you on that particular charge, or if they can't agree on anything, it becomes a mistrial is what they call it. So they throw it out and go, well, you obviously, nobody did enough, good enough job to convince these people. But it only took them 10 hours to come to a unanimous decision. And, mm. you know, I'm tipping my hand already at the beginning of the conversation. I do believe it was the right one, given I the agree. options they were presented. And, and so that does give me a little bit of hope that a, a group of individuals could sit there and have to dramatically relive all of that. And and at the end of the day, they went, yeah, this is this is pretty clear to us, too. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's getting ahead of it. I, I can remember I heard the the verdict. Uh, live, I was driving a, a considerable drive back from an appointment I had to keep, 
And I remember I had the satellite radio on because they had been like, and this was on the day of the verdict. And they had just announced that the jury came back and handed the verdict to the judge and that he was going to make an announcement like within the next hour. Of course, it took him an hour and a half to make it, but that's beside the point. I should have known better. So I stopped listening to what I was listening to and switched over to the radio. I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen to this thing. And so I just kept listening to commentators for an hour, which I hated because I was waiting for them to interrupt this program. Here comes the guy to read the the, the verdict. And I remember when he finally came out and, and read it. And, and I'm not going to say that I watched the whole trial like bated breath. Like, you know, I wasn't following it to that closeness the whole time. But I, I remember getting choked up a little bit when it when it came. I was kind of like, I don't know, it was just the emotion of the moment where you felt like this is something important that's going to happen, and a mm-hmm. lot of people are riding on it, and that uncertainty of how are they going to go and what happens depending on how they go, uh, especially having lived through a year of, of you know, protest and violence and riots and on both sides, you know, I'm not trying to say just on one side or the other, and she was just like, how is this going to go? And then to hear it just come back unanimous on all three counts, and you were just like, wow, okay, it was, yeah. I will remember that moment. Yeah, I I agree, and 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 I think I, I think it is a watershed moment in some in some respects. I think just given how this has all played out over the last year with with the protests as well, um, I really do think it's a watershed moment. However, and, and and I remember feeling very similarly when I found out. I didn't find out from it, like a hearing an announcement. I found out just through Reddit uh, when I had a chance to look because I have been you know full disclosure. I've been so overwhelmed and busy at work, like. I haven't even, I've barely had time for social media or looking at things. And, and anyone who knows me that knows, like, I've actually been more active on like Instagram this month. That's because I actually pay someone to manage my Instagram now, uh, because I am trying to put out more (laughs) content. And so I banked up a whole bunch and then that was all posted like over time, but I made it before, you know, before it was posted. And, and like, I, I really have been so busy that it's been harder for me to keep up with some of this stuff. Um, which I really do feel bad about, but I have tried my best. And, and I think one of the things that, so when I, when I look at this on Reddit, when I look at this on, on, on Twitter, I love Twitter because I can see a lot of different reactions and I can gauge uh, kind of what, what a lot of the different conversations are. And no, I don't just, you know, go to trending and look at the initial tweets. I actually try to dive into a lot of replies and I, I really do try and read uh, as many different perspectives as I can find. I try to see, hey, what is someone, you know, I bet you there's someone who disagrees with this in the replies. I want to see what yeah, they all say. All you have to do is move from top and, tweet to, to latest tweet. To yeah, exactly. Slew of yeah. Stuff. And so it's, it, you know, I'm not just saying I, I look something up for two seconds and then that's it. Um, and I also am not going to say that I have like the highest journalistic integrity in my research either. I'm on Twitter. But there is a <laughs> there is something to be said about like I I'm going because I want to know what the conversation is, not just what the news is. And one thing that what I was reminded of in in the research for this was the Daniel Shaver incident. And for anyone who doesn't remember this, I think it was 2016 where he was where Daniel Shaver was yeah early 2016. Uh, Daniel Shaver, if anyone remembers this video, it was a it was a white dude in a hotel hallway on his knees, arms up, cops yelling at him, telling him, you know, do not move your hands to the small of your back. Do not move your hands toward your waist. Do not move your hands toward anywhere or we will shoot you. He's on his knees and they tell him to crawl. And he's scared to death. They are they are like screaming at this dude. And 
in the full video, there's actually conflicting instructions given between the two police officers. And in this, in this moment, they tell him to crawl. So he falls forward onto his hands. And I think what happens is, I think because he falls forward, his shirt kind of falls forward. And instinctually, every single one of us, when or your shirt falls forward, shirt. you go to, yep. And so he, they shot him. Almost as soon as he gets on to all fours, they, they shoot him and he dies. 26-year-old white dude in the hallway in an Arizona hotel. Um, the officer who Not shot Not the craziest Phillip, thing that's happened in an Arizona hotel. Correct. And the officer that shot him, uh, Philip Brailsford at 28 years old, um, he was fired. He was charged with murder in 2017. Or sorry, he was charged with murder in 2016. He was acquitted at trial in 2017 for this, by the way, which... This is one of those that I disagree. Almost 100% I disagree with this decision. But here's the kicker. He was briefly rehired by his police department in 2018 for 42 days so that at 28 he could reapply for, or he could apply for, for a lifetime pension uh, for medical and, and retire medically. So the police, and he got it. And that's the kind of thing where a lot of people are saying, okay, so yes, we got accountability here. They wouldn't necessarily call it justice. A lot of, and, and I, can, I can understand that perspective too. And they and still I'm not gonna, lessened the blow. Yeah, but worse, they did still soften the blow. And I, I don't know if we've done sentencing yet. I haven't looked at that. I, I didn't have a chance before we started, before we hit record to look if, if we had gotten to sen sentencing yet. But I think basically all of this is to say, that, is to say don't stop watching this because we still need to see the discipline and punishment carried out, the consequences carried out. And it is interesting to see what happens when the police eyes are, or when the public's eyes are no longer on the situation. Yeah, that's the problem with some, for me when people call something a watershed vote or a watershed trial or whatever, is when you think of a watershed, obviously a watershed is an area where all the water in the area is running into, like a water basin kind of thing. I mm. start thinking of water. And the thing is, a watershed is only good if water's still running into it. If nothing's running into it, you just have a dry water basin at the end of it. So they go, oh, it's a watershed moment. Well, yeah, because all of the protest, all of the media, all of the social media, all everything was flowing a lot of material into this watershed. And so it filled up and they're like, wow, we have this lake of placid justice. Well, what happens when we go, ta-da, we filled the lake and you cut off all the sources of water going into it. It's going to turn into a dead swamp and then eventually into a dry, cracked mm -hmm. pit. And so, yeah, okay, so we've got one. So that's one trial of accountability that, to be fair, I, I do agree with the governor of Minnesota on this, where I think he said, if that video had not been filmed, there would not have been an officer going to jail, period. Correct. Correct. hundred percent. Because what yeah. was the, what was the original hall? What was the original headline? Like a medical incident after a medical incident or something like that? It wasn't the headline. It was what they put in the, in the report that they filed. That's what it like was. Me medical incident, medical incident while undergoing arrest or whatever, you know, and I mean, nondescript. What I think they, I think the court got him for that too, because they were acousticating information about what happened, but yeah, it would have just gone to medical incident. Cop was there, uh, you know, cops know we're done, which tends yep. to be how it goes. But instead someone had the, the courage or the forethought to pull out the phone and film for like 12 minutes to catch the nine minutes and, 
how many ever seconds I'm bad with math here that he just knelt on his neck and, and to catch him saying such callous things is like, what you weren't here. I mean, he's a big dude. We've got to deal with him. He'd be riotous or however exact. I can't remember the exact phrase he used, but one of the pro like one of the people standing there pleading with the officer was like, why don't you stop? And he was just kind of nonchalant. Like I got to do this. The guy's like a whole threat and whatever. Yeah. Even after he's not been moving for multiple minutes. So, yeah. And that's, that's different from a, there's a, there's a different uh, situation that got in the, that, that started making the rounds on social media too, of, uh, of another scenario where officers were, were on someone's neck. And this one is a lot more, that one's a lot more gray than the George Floyd one was because you can hear the officers throughout the entire thing on, on the two, two or three different body cam footages that were released. A, they were dealing with a, with either someone who was who had some mental issues or um, was was just drunk beyond recognition, one of the two, and essentially he it was very clear he couldn't comprehend what what police were saying. And I'm going to try and find it, and and I'll 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 reference it a little bit later. But the essentially you can hear the officers the entire time talking about whether what they're doing is justified or warranted, and even when they even when they pin him, the second that they realize that he's either, you know, totally, like he's basically, the second that they realize he's he's unresponsive or, or gone a little bit, not necessarily limp, but you know what I mean, where, right. where he stopped struggling and really fighting back with this, that's when they immediately turn him over and begin work and, and begin like working on first aid and trying to yeah, resuscitate there was, there was, and make, there was like active it's a different, interest in what is correct. the situation that, that the guy is going through. And not to sound like, here we go again to get the YouTube comments, like, so you're defending cops. Like, I, I know of cases personally where people have been, like, tasered five or six times, and sometimes drugs and other stuff will make people just, it, it's crazy what adrenaline and other things will do. And I Yeah, get tasers only work, like, 50% where, of the time or something like that. And yeah, actually just, it, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's crazy. So I get that there's certain situations that, officers need to do stuff but like you said when you can see body cam footage where they're actively like okay are we still in the right doing this is this still necessary is this when they're actively aware versus a 12 minute video that shows a guy just callously kneeling there and being like when people are calling out to him not even being like well look i just checked him he's got a pulse he's fine no he just kneels there and it's like mind your own business you yeah. know and doesn't do anything you're just kind of like what <laughs> and you know his you know his pride was in there somewhere because i like I can, and, and, and here's what I mean by that. Like someone's like, duh, but here's what I mean by that. Because there have been moments even where, where I lead a group of college students and, and I can think of moments even in the last couple of years that I've been doing the, the role that I'm in or that I've worked with people younger than me in any capacity where, or if I've just been in charge and someone's come to me and told me, hey, what you're doing isn't correct or you need to like change course here or, you know, just ask me to stop doing something. And in my pride, I didn't want to be wrong. I didn't want to give them the ammunition to say, Hey, uh, you were wrong this time. What makes, what, you know, how do we trust you now, uh, in a future event or, you know, any of that. And so I would double down on the wrong thing just because I didn't want them to know that I was, you know, to, to have any ammo against me to say I was wrong. And I now, bet you I there mean, was, we, we all do that, but isn't there a certain that's what point I'm saying. where, and maybe this is me talking about pride though. Isn't there a certain point where you then at that point start secretly trying to figure out how to mitigate if you're wrong? Like that would be well, where in yeah. my pride, I would be kind of like gently reaching down to feel for a pulse or something like, you know, shifting yeah, my yeah, yeah. slightly. Well, no, I mean, that's you, but you're also doing with a cop just here who with, sat with there pride, for nine yeah. minutes on someone's, you know, 
I, I get that. I'm just saying that's part of the egregious nature, I think, why they, they did manslaughter charges as well, is there was just, there was no even attempt at normal, like, correct. Well, maybe just, no, it's my pride. And then he light shift and uh, yeah, I, I'm still going to look right. But I, no, he was just like, screw yeah. off. Or that and was that's, my parents anyway. And here's the, the hard thing, too, is the body cam footage really does really does make a huge difference. And I'm, I'm always going to be a, a advocate for increased body cam footage, increased, you know, all of that. Because Especially I when think, it's on. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's so, so important now um, to have that and to have public accountability for public servants. I, I, I mean, there's just no way around that. I, I think that's kind of necessary at this point. And this is one of those situations where I really hate that if you have nothing to hide, you would have no problem with it. Um, I really hate that argument typically because freedom of, for, of privacy is, is a big, important thing. But when you are working in a public servant job that already we've seen countless evidences for uh, and moments where injustice has been taken or has happened and body cam footage has helped to correct that um, as much as correcting it can be done anyway. the that's where, in my mind, I'm like, you're working for the public. You have public accountability. And if you don't want to be recorded, I don't know what to tell you. Because this is a job that you... Like, the recording, in my mind, protects the police officer as much as it, as much as it protects the, the, in the... In the event that the police officer does something right, it protects the police officer more at, at the same level that it, that it protects the public. And even as pastors, Henry and I know this because when you're dealing with church policy, working with your church, policy can be both your biggest enemy and your best friend. Uh, any, any, polit any skilled politician knows this too. Like, it can work against you, and man, when it works for you, wow. Um, it's one of those things where accountability makes a huge difference and really does work to serve everyone involved as, as, as much as it can anyway. No, I mean, information, kind of like the old mind, or the old mind, the, the old adage that the mind may forget, but paper doesn't. Now, of course, people can say, yeah, but you can put a lie on paper. Well, I mean, I, I get it. But e evidence in a in a all things being equal setting is, is your friend. Yes. Unless you were doing something that the evidence says is pretty bad. Yeah, which in what we've seen uh i can say the the andrew brown case for example is one where that's not probably the, so much the case evidence is the other way around derek chauvin once again same thing um i just i do see it as accountability not justice i do see and i want to see that continue to be carried out i do wish and and hope that in future cases where this happens cuz unfortunately there are going to be future cases where this happens and not every single one of them's going to have somebody filming for 12 minutes Correct. I'm really hoping that we can move away from the character assassination stuff, and I don't know how to get there, but we need to get there. Um, that being said, I also think Derek Chauvin needed defense, and I think he needed— uh, He has a right like, to it. He has a right to it, and there's a reason for that. And the reason being, not because his, his actions were defensible, but defense attorneys—a lot of people ask, defense, ask of defense attorneys, how can you defend someone who you know is guilty? And— a good because we defense don't want mob rule. Correct. A good defense attorney is not necessarily there to prove that someone that was guilty is innocent, but rather it's to hold the justice system accountable to make sure that, that 
proper levels of justice are actually carried out. And if yeah, evidence they could be was guilty, dropped but they along might the not chain be of custody, enough to be killed, you know, it depends. Correct. On yeah. So that's what they're there for. Now, do all of them do it that well? No. Do all of them do it for that reason? No. No. Uh, are th- and and there are times where, and this is why accountability is so important, because there are times where guilty people have gotten off on technicalities in the law because someone somewhere dropped the ball. And that's why accountability is so important. So the ball doesn't get dropped. So the proper people do go away. And so at the same, like at the same time, I'm happy for the verdict. Chauvin needed a defense. And I think that like, there's a reason that's a right. And I am glad that, that I, I'm glad at the, the verdict that was, that was made. Um, and that was reached. Sorry. So yeah, I, yeah. Any thoughts there before we transition to the next piece of this? Well, no, I would, I would agree with you for all of its, its faults. I do appreciate still that we have a, a system that demands a trial. Now you can be upset at how many don't go to trial and, and the injustice there. But once, once you get to a trial situation, uh, I'm very thankful to live in a country where it's not ruled by mob or ruled by public opinion. And sometimes you're right. Public opinion is right. Sometimes you can see the evidence and maybe the majority's there, but you also have to remember that even a dead fish can go with the flow. And we don't want to live mm. in a place where where people just get steamrolled for being right or for being wrong, right? There there needs to be that weighing of it. And I know sometimes the justice system is frustrating how slow it is. And, and there's something to be said about not having enough, you know, case loads spread out, enough judges, and enough, fine. You know, I think there's things that could be tweaked about the system for sure and need to be. But, but I am thankful. I mean, part of what took it a little while to get underway is not just that they didn't have all this evidence and video, but they had to find peers that weren't already prejudiced against hearing the narrative. And that takes time, especially when it's a big public trial like this and everybody has seen footage yep. and whatever. And I do know there's going to be an appeal coming about that, too, because they always try to take that There was some intimidation. There was some. Yeah, yeah, and that these people are going to know. And, of course, they know if they judge a certain way, they're going to get mobbed in the street and okay but i mean they they took mitigation for that we never saw or knew who these jurors were unless now some of them are trying to come out you know but that's their choice they make that choice they Mm -hmm. didn't have to be publicly known and a lot of them probably never will be but you know to to that end i just want to say i i appreciate the system trying it still has a lot of work that needs being done in it but it, it still on occasion can can manage to work. And I know that's of yeah. little hope to people where they feel like it's failed them. But it, it's it's something that I'm glad we invest in and still needs to be invested mm-hmm. in. So and, and in that's this case, why, I think did a good job. That's why I really hate the narrative of like government, you know, go, politicians only want this or, you know, government only does this or whatever. And I'm sitting here like, Yes, I know that there's there's oligarchy claims, there's there's money in politics and corporations in politics too. But like at the end of the day, we do elect our officials and the government's job is to work for the people, which means that if they're not working for the people, we like, you know, vote them out. And I know that like the- that's a really reductionist way of looking at that. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then there's the irony that when you ask people, everybody hates Congress, but everybody loves their congressmen. So everybody keeps revoting the same people back yep. in and they wonder why it never changes. Yes, but. exactly. But yeah, the idea of being like, oh, well, we can't trust government to do this or we can't trust government to do that. And I'm like, well, we're, we elect them. It's a reflection so, of your priorities. If, 
if we can't trust them, then let's get people in that we can trust and let's make, like, we can't trust the government to fix public education. Well, then, then let's put, put somebody in people in that, does. That, that does and that, that we and can then, trust and then to if, do that. And people are like, well, I don't like the choices. Well, then find a choice you like or run yourself or do whatever. Yeah, Our get involved still in, works in, that way. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and the, so that's all I'm going to say there. And we're going to, we're going to move on here because this is the simultaneous thing or somewhat simultaneous thing that happened on now April Now we move 20. a couple states over around the Great Lakes. Yes. To Columbus, Ohio with the Makia Bryant shooting. Uh, that's that happened. only about 30 minutes from where my folks live. So interestingly yeah. enough, my, my parents are in the area. Um, and that one, ah, uh, this was, this is, this is where, this is where we either make enemies, make friends. I have no idea what Henry's response to this is. I have no idea. Like, I know what mine is. And to but be fair, know. I'm glad we just talked about the justice system ahead of time. <laughs> and yes, yes, even uh, this deserves a trial. Yes. You know? Um, but I, I, I'm going to open on a pretty, well, first let's just say this April 20, uh, someone calls the police from a house saying that there's, there's girls out trying to stab us with a knife and trying to attack us. Surprise. Um, It wasn't a pot story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, uh, police officer, police arrive on scene and what ends up happening, I'm not going into the body cam footage yet. I'm just going into like, if you heard the news article, this is what you'd get, which is, Basically, police arrive on scene, and a few minutes later, if that, they uh, shoot and they shoot Makia Bryant four times, and they killing her. Now is it they? It's really one officer that. Shot, it's one right? officer that yeah. was there. Correct, and the but that's what I'm saying. This is what you'd hear in a news story, and then there were stories about how Makia Bryant was the one who actually called the police. There was another story out that saying that when. When the police arrived on scene, Makia Bryant actually went up and she's 16 years old, by the way. She was 16 years old. Let's also put that into perspective. And when police arrive on scene, that the, there was a story out that Makia was approaching police to talk to them and tell them about the situation. However, the body cam footage paints a very different and more complex picture. And the body cam, yeah. So the body cam footage, this police officer arrives on scene gets out of his car and we're talking about this whole everything in that I'm about to say basically happens within a 20 to 30 second window like it does not there's not it talk, much it talks time. about escalation training but it also talks about and I'm sure this is what trials and other things would bring out what was the officer told when he was driving yes. up you and know, that's the what, problem what is frame we of don't mind fully is he know. already in when he jumps out like ah someone's gonna get yeah. you know and that was know. something that Anthony brought up last week on the show was like you don't know the hour you know leading up to them showing up to a call you don't know what was Correct. said to them which you do know in the not an excuse call, for behavior but we're just saying there's yes. a lot of details on this one we don't know like the previous topic so the when the officer arrives on scene he's asking what's going on and as he is asking that. And trying to get a grip on the situation, he's saying, hey, everyone calm down. The That's when Makia was attacking one girl, and the girl falls on her back. And then I guess Makia's dad was standing there and goes to kick the girl that fell. And this is an important point for something that happens a little <laughs> bit in a minute. Um, the And then, and this is where the officer's like, stop, everyone stop. Um, stop right now and... Then the officer seeing, he sees Makia turn her back to the police officer and hold up another girl against a car who's in dressed in this like 
pink tracksuit, essentially. And the officer draws his weapon at that point, not pointing it at Makia yet, and says, stop, stop right now. I'm forgetting the exact words, but basically right. he's trying to stop it. And the and that's when Makia swings her arm back and goes to and, and uh, as with the knife in that hand, and you can hand. I mean in the hand that swung back to stab the girl, to swing it and stab at the girl who's up against the car. The officer at that point opens fire on Makia, shooting her four times. Um, and she collapses. The girl does not get stabbed. And the other officers there immediately, you know, with, within a few seconds are already getting down to provide, try and, try and provide treatment, medical treatment to her. And this is where the dad is saying, you shot my baby, you shot my baby, you didn't need to shoot her, she's just a kid. Um, and I, that's why I say it's, it's interesting that he says that knowing that he was just kicking another kid, granted yeah, kicking is different kicking than shooting, but like you were kicking well, at another kid and talking about, in, involved. yes, yeah. um, the principle is a little, little off there, but this is why, that's why this is a little bit more, um, another body cam footage showed that the officer did try to deescalate. He gets there. And when he walks up, I mean, this is right after he gets out of his car, there's a girl on the ground. They know he's a knife. there. Yeah, they know he's there, and he sees Makia with her knife all the way in back. In a hand. In a hand, about to stab. And I know we talk about de-escalation all day long, but there was, like, there really wasn't a chance by the time he arrived there for there to be de-escalation. And so this one, I really, like, I really struggle with because if he, and, and I have a question for you once I ask for your reaction to all of this, too, because I'm, I'm genuinely curious to hear your, your thoughts on this, Henry, but, like, this one to me is so is so much more complex. No matter what, I I agree with anyone who says she should not have been shot four times. Um, that was excessive in my mind. But I I don't know that I can claim. I I don't know if I can if I can be on of the position that this is another completely unjustified and you know murderous moment against a, a person of color. I just I don't know. By the way, it hasn't been verified. There are claims from Makia's family that Makia was the one who called 911 originally. And was trying to I, defend herself. And, and I yeah, can't, it, I haven't been able to find any sort of verification for that claim. So I don't know about that one, but yeah. So Henry, your thoughts on all of this, anything that I got wrong there, anything you want to, yeah, say in this point? I mean, I'm like you. I mean, the, the first thing we, we have to be honest with is this happened at a time of already heightened scrutiny to police violence against African-Americans. So I, I try to, I mean, everyone thinks they're unbiased, but I, I try to keep this in my mind that there's a lot of other emotions all of us are feeling ahead of this happening. Now, I mean, you could say the callous comment, like, it was just a bad time for that to happen. Well, it's always a bad time for someone to get shot. Yeah, okay? it's never. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and let's not mitigate it at all. No matter if she was guilty or if she was trying to stab someone or not, you don't want someone dead at the end of the day. You do not. Especially uh, not I, a 16-year-old. Especially not a 16-year-old. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's just, like you said, so when you first watch it, I, I mean, and this is my sound where my, my first reaction was I, I just felt sorry for everybody in the video. Like mm -hmm. you said, there was just too many things that just I, I was looking at. I was like, well, okay, first of all, I'm trying to imagine myself as an officer and seeing a knife fly back in your hand and somebody, and you've already seen that person shoving someone up against a car. Now, I don't know. Again, we don't know all the details. I don't know if she was attacked first. I don't know if the other one had had a knife. The point is they didn't have the knife out at that moment. 
Maybe they did. Correct. I, I mean, I don't know. No, all we you have, have is that one footage. moment where the police officer walks up and this is what this is the moment that he's in. There's no context to be taken in before that moment because Correct. this is the only thing that the cop knows. He doesn't know who, Mc, like, even if McKee is the one who called 911 and was the one defending herself, in the moment that he walks up, he hasn't even been able to identify which one is Makia. All he knows yeah, is he there's someone with a knife attacking people. I, like, I don't right. know what and other adult, decision you make. And the other adult in the situation is already beating up on a kid. And taking uh, the I side mean, of the person with the knife in this moment. I, yes. I, mean, I mean, yeah, uh, here, the couple things that just stand out to me most, feeling sorry for everybody, is, is, and this is something for all of us to keep in mind, whether it's right or wrong or whatever. Knives, guns, everything, this is what we call force escalation. Whenever you introduce, I mean, a baseball bat could be that, depending on the situation. The moment you yep. introduce something else into the situation, everything rises to the next level. And it comes a point where if nobody is interested in stopping this, you can't be surprised when it escalates beyond the point where like this, somebody gets hurt or in this case, fatally killed. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, when you start, I'm sure it started with an argument. I don't know. I mean, but everything always, you don't immediately just come out swinging. There's always something that predates it. So whatever happened, there was an altercation taking place and whatever was going on escalated to the point that somebody thought the cops needed to get involved because they weren't stopping it. By the time cop shows up, and we don't know what was going on before that or how long this has been going, some sort of beatdown or pushing or something has been going on, obviously to the point where when he shows up, somebody's thrown on the ground, and now daddy adult is getting ready to join in on, I'm going to beat the snot out of this kid. Or I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. We can't know that. But th the point is, now somebody, it's getting physical enough, people are losing balance and ending up on the ground, and people want to get kicked. Okay, that's already another escalation. When a knife comes out, and don't underestimate this, and I say, not that I'm trained in knife fighting or anything, but people are like, well, it's just a knife opposed to a gun. Uh, okay, that's like the argument, well, back then they used swords and arrows versus what all of these things are, they are tools. I know this is an argument we can make about weapons. They're all tools, but it's why you use it. And she wasn't standing in the kitchen with a tomato in front of her. Yeah. Or any of the other people, right? This is the knife yeah. at that point ceases to be just a tool. It's now being used in a weapons capacity. Now you can argue whether she had a right she was using it in self-defense or not. We don't know yet. We have no clue. But a weapon has now come out. Sure, it's a knife, and sure it takes more effort than pulling a trigger on a firearm, which is a machine that will throw something at you pretty quick. But the point is now you just escalate it again. And the other thing that's sad is the moment the officer pulled the gun, to be fair, it escalated another level. Correct. Because once you unholster a weapon, and this is something that, again, I've not had police training, but assuming their training has any sort of logical coherence with weapons training I have had to have in other areas of my life, I have always been taught that the moment you pull the firearm, you are in a, no, a whole new level of decision making, and you have better yep. have made a lot of decisions before you pulled it. The moment it comes out of the holster, you're in a whole new ballgame. The time for decision-making was before it came out because you just escalated the situation. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot be willing to pull a firearm out of its holster and not use it in some way. So the moment he pulled it, now you're in a really, you're in critical decision seconds mode, right? Because he has a split amount of time and that's something maybe to use against the officer or not again we don't have all the details but the moment i saw him pull it out i was like it's going to get used that was just my gut feeling the moment i saw it come i was like i know where this is going because the moment it comes out you've got like five seconds or less 
for them to stop, drop a knife, do whatever. And instead she got dropped. Yeah. Right. She, she keeps going. And of course it's out and he used it. He fired four shots and down she yeah. goes. And the problem again for her is this isn't just anybody with a gun. This is a guy that they are trained that when they shoot, they're not aiming for kneecaps and shoulder blades. And I mean, they're taught center of mass firing. Like the military, they, they're taught if you're going to use it, you're going to use it and it's going to work. You're, you're not taking chances. You're aiming. They're not aiming for like, well, it can cause the least damage. The moment they pull the trigger, it's to drop you. That's how they are trained. Yeah. And now we and can well, argue if that's good, but that's that's how they're trained. Well, and there's there's other ethical things around, you know, shooting to maim. But I, I do find ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous claims of of shooting. You know, he could have shot the knife out of her hand. Or he could have That's shot. Not how firearms the, work, folks. Yeah, or it could have shot the the, or should have shot her hand or her legs or just any other part of her body, or used a taser. And number one, tasers only work like fifty percent of the time, if that. Number two, you're half a second away from her, literally stabbing this girl with a knife, and you think, well, the knife wasn't lethal. In yeah, every, depending on like, where she hits, there's a there's a saying with knife fights, right? If if two people are fighting with knives, uh, both people both both people die. The loser dies in like on scene. And the winner dies later in the hospital. That's kind of the 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 saying behind yeah. knife fights. There's there's no, it, it's. I mean, it, they're the, just. It's just in in a very twisted logic. It's the same as a bullet. It's a metal object going into your body, causing damage in your tissue. Yep. And depending and, on where the blade or the bullet hits, is going to cause you a whole lot of problems. Yep. And in and an officer does have a duty in those moments to stop a crime in progress. And regardless of what happened leading up to that point, that's what the officer that's there was a crime in progress. There was an attempted, essentially attempted murder at that point. At least battery. Again, right. Just at going off of the evidence murder. we have. Yes. We don't have everything and Correct. we're admitting that. <laughs> Correct. And that's what I'm saying. We like this is the body cam footage on this one is a lot less cut and dry in, you know, leading up to that no, moment. No pun intended. Correct. Um, thank you. Uh, the it's it's just so much. It it this one is is it's really hard to not let your feelings get get caught up and affected by what's happening with the Chauvin trial, what's happening with Andrew Brown in North Carolina, which I think we'll see is I I have the feeling that we'll see is another very very unjustified one just based on what I know about it so far. And yeah, I think we're I mean this see, whole thing about this video is that it's very easy for both sides to have something to argue in their favor. Very yes. easy. And both both Henry and I mourn the loss of another person of color to police in any capacity. I want to, but my thing is, I want to make sure that when we focus on issues of injustice, because of what we're up against when it comes to racial injustice and when it comes to anti-racism efforts, um, we have to make sure that that we're taking the right stances at the right times. I I don't have any other way to put this other than this is where this is where I've talked about social media being a revolution, and this is where that revolution or causes another revolution. This is where I think uh, that actually works against us because this is where if body cam footage about isn't released, <laughs> yeah. So if body cam footage isn't released, yeah, the the family can go up and say, well. Um, she was going up and, or, or anyone, I'm not saying the family said this, but anyone could say, well, she was going up and, and she was trying to talk to police officers peacefully. And she, like, there's n no, is the answer to that. Like the body cam footage unequivocally is no, she was not going up to talk to police officers calmly no about what the situation was. No one's talking to the police officer in this video. Until after the shots are fired. And this is where, once again, 
number one, in that moment, I can't believe you think that, that I can't believe anyone thinks that an officer, regardless of how skilled you are with a firearm, can just do that. I don't know how many movies you've seen of like Wanted and and, and, and by the way, Eli Hollywood that, is not where you should learn about firearms. Correct. None of that for anybody that has owned a firearm or operated a firearm or is in the military and dealt with firearms or police. Hollywood has an idea where you know they pull it out and they're just shooting and they're doing trick shots and what. That's not how firearms work. You cannot do that with with firearms. And, and even if you could, because I know mm-hmm. there's Olympic trick shooting and things like that. They're using low calibers and they're also in an environment where no one's worried about dying, where your brain yeah. is not filled with endorphins and, and adrenaline and you're yeah. having to make a split second decision. But here's the other thing. And this is where the cop is in a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If he did try to shoot to maim, if he misses, guess who's on the other and side? Hit somebody else. Yeah. Well, he hits the girl that was trying, like, imagine if he hits the girl that was about to be stabbed instead. I mean, yeah. Or if he doesn't shoot at all and the girl gets stabbed. At or what, what happens then, if he shoots and he doesn't hit anybody, but now angry dad that's already shown that he's willing to beat up kid goes, he's going to kill my girl and comes lunging at him. And then does he get shot? I mean, yeah, there, like, there's said, any the moment the gun gets pulled, somebody's out. dying. Yep. <laughs> I, I, and that's that's what's so sad to me. And, and I don't want to paint a whole bunch of what ifs here, but the, the idea being at least in this split half second moment where a cop has to make a decision, I can't say that I I can, and I, I'm waiting to see what other evidence comes out, what else we find out about this situation. What I'm saying is up to this moment, which is the same kind of judgment that I would have made with the George Floyd case, because for a while, all we had was body cam, right? Until autopsies and everything else came out, all we had was body cam. So going just off of body cam and what we know about the case, I have a hard time believing this fits the same bill. And I have a and I have a hard time believing that that many of us weren't fully influenced by by how we feel about the other verdict and other shootings that have happened along yeah, you know, and several around the other same cases time. that had just happened around the same time that are clearly and, from their own body cam footage, not I mean, yes. not nearly as gray. It's very clear that like, wait a minute. You're pepper which spraying is, a guy with his hands out the window in an army <laughs> uniform. Yep. In the light. Which is yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> It's why I'm so empathetic to people who are angry about this. Because you, like, why wouldn't you be? Given all of this happening, why wouldn't your first gut reaction, if especially as a person of color, why wouldn't it be to, to sympathize with the person who was shot and killed in this moment, knowing what the stories are? Because as far as you're concerned, you see it on Twitter, you see it in your friend group, you see it on Facebook, wherever you see it. It's another black person killed by police. And that headline on its own is going to elicit certain feelings regardless of what the cause was. Yeah. And especially I, when you've seen 90 other cases where someone who's white might have pulled a knife and they still would have yelled at him to drop it before they shot him. You know, I, 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 I yes. get it. <laughs> and this is where, this is where in, in my mind, like, and also there's, there's something you said about the, the, the police bringing Burger King, I think it was to Dylan Roof the shooter in South Carolina when he was yeah, in custody. Yeah, murdered. Yeah. And it yeah, turns after out- After they have I, to hunt him down. After they have to hunt him and down, they, they know take he's him alive. murdered nine people already. So as it turns out, um, this is what, this is, I, I found this out later about this. this is a complete aside, but it, it is relevant to some degree. Um, they, they went to get him Burger King. I think it was him, but it was someone in recent, you can look this up. The reason they had to do it was because within a, within a certain amount of time, you actually have to provide food and water to someone who's been arrested. Uh, they, like there's, there's, fed, there's, there's laws about this or else you have to let the person go or else like, or else 
guess what? Someone dropped the ball in chain of custody, and now that can be argued as un uh, is it is it the the cruel and unusual punishment argument? Yeah. And then he gets let off because of that technicality. And yes, that can happen. And so they they had to because they had nothing on site to give him. And so someone had to rush and get him food in order to actually make sure that justice was served. So Again, like, and I get that optics are horrible. But what what but choice do you have if you want to make sure that the ball doesn't optics. get dropped? Correct. And that's what I that's why for me, like I fully empathize with anyone who is outraged and angry here. And I want to be, to be honest. Like I really want to be, given everything that's happened. I don't blame really anyone for feeling the way that they do. I just, in this instance, me being honest and trying to navigate this stuff as we talk about it and as we experience it, I, I can't see this being the same level or warranting the same level of outrage when all, when, when all is said and done as others. And I think that when we do invest a lot of our energy into things that can't be defensible from, from fully defensible when it's all said and done, um, we hurt our own cause. That being said, we do need better mental health training. We do need better... Um, emotional well-being. We, yeah, emotional well-being training. We do need better um, uh, better de-escalation training. We need more thorough and longer training for police officers. We need alternate funding or you know funding for alternate ways of policing. And if you want to know exactly what I mean by that, I look up CAHOOTS. C-A-H-O-O-T-S in, I think it's Eugene, Oregon. And you will yeah, understand we exactly, about yes. In past podcasts. Just look I that mean, up. I, That's what I want. And this, and this goes to responsibility and accountability too. And we're saying this on both sides. Imagine just playing hypothetical. What if by the time all the evidence comes out, this officer who I'm, I would hope regrets shooting her, you know, is not happy at the end of his day. Like I had to do it, but I'm so happy yeah. they died. I mean, I'd hope that's not the case that he's not some callous, whatever. I don't know this officer any more than I knew the girl that was shot. But my point is, let's say all the evidence comes out and the guy could have made a decision either way. And it, and as best we can tell in a broken world, that's the best he could do. We can disagree with it, but at the end of the day, he wasn't out to murder anybody and, and he doesn't get, tried or whatever. And, and his consequences, he has to live with the knowledge that he murdered a 16 year old, you know, I mean, mm. what, whatever, which don't, don't discount that if you're, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine I'm not a police officer, but if I actually killed somebody, even if it was in self-defense or people go, yeah, you were justified in doing that. I don't think I'm going to be completely emotionally well in my mind for the rest of my life over that. But that's just me. But anyway, let's just say that's the case and he's off. The, the problem becomes if we don't have accountability, it's not going to be fair for him or others either. It's going to further their trauma because they just are going to judge him by all the 900 cases that weren't handled correctly with accountability. The, the point is for every, and, and I get the arguments on the other side, they go, yeah, but there's probably tons of people that get accused of being guilty that are innocent. Okay. Yes. But if we had better accountability, you would have more space to get correct you know, trials and answers because people wouldn't have just watched 900 cases be handled inappropriately and without mm -hmm. accountability. That, because that, I mean, that flip side, that's the problem for this cop right now. This happened, which is already a bad situation, in an environment where so many have not been held accountable or things have been shady or information has been kept back that he now has a whole mountain of unaccountability that he's going to have to crawl through to get accountability in his case, whatever that is. Yeah. And and that shouldn't have to be the case. We should each one of the, we should have a better justice system 
we should we should this is a cry for whatever the case is going to be. There's work to be done. I think both of you and I would be in agreement with that. Policing as it stands now cannot just stay the way it is. The mm. court system cannot just stay the way it is. Right? Media cannot just stay the way it is. This is we talked about earlier about watershed moment, but this is another case. What are we feeding into the watershed? This is not a time to dial back the flow of interest, of engagement, of a cry for accountability and justice. Correct. This is a moment to turn the flow up double. Now's the time to go, all right, keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. Don't give up now because we can't afford that. How many more people, I mean, it's a broken world, yes, but does that mean I have to stick my head in the sand that people are going to keep dying? I want as few people to die as humanly possible, right? I mean, Absolutely. that should be our goal. Every, every yeah. life lost is one too many. We've got to figure this out. Yep. Um, there's one more thing I want to speak to, and I agree with everything you've said. I, I, I do. There's one more thing I want to speak to, and it's something that if you are familiar with this conversation in general, uh, there's something known as the 21-foot rule. I don't know if anyone, Henry, I don't know if you know what that is. Um, the 21-foot rule is the, is the, um, the distance that an assailant with a knife can cover in the time that it takes an officer to identify a threat or any person to unholster really, the weapon, unholster the weapon yeah. and fire their gun. The idea being that at some point there are distances and 21 foot seems like a, a big distance, but that like, it's an it's not, reaction it's gap. Is at you. It is, but there are certain distances where, so there are people saying she, she had a knife, he had a gun. It was unfair and distance, whatever. There are times where the knife wins. And honestly, if he had pulled his, if he had tried to unholster his gun when the knife was already back, you know, when she was holding it back, he loses that battle given that she's already lunging at a person and not a, again. And, and Holly, I'm not Hollywood saying, makes guns yep. look like some sort of super thing, but gun, guns are really a worthless thing at within like eight feet. I, yeah. I mean, by the time you're at that point, I mean, yeah, a knife, a baseball bat, a lot of these things would be a lot more effective. Yeah. So I just want to speak to that. I think there are a lot of things where if you're asking, I think the question shouldn't like I don't think we should be tweeting why couldn't he have shot her in the hand or the the leg or whatever which the ethics there of shooting to maim hits an artery done anyway yeah right like now I, she I don't, suffers while she bleeds yeah out. oh well you couldn't have you know just gotten right neck like you watch John Wick and then you talk about this it's a completely like you're missing it entirely because John Wick is is just in, it, it's Hollywood it's a bunch of stunt guys coming oh, together this, to make a it, movie this is, and this Keanu is Hollywood. Reeves is There's good people... with firearms I, I know, but folks, there's times where, I mean, Hollywood does not understand weapons, okay? I say this as a gun owner. When there's there's shots where they're shooting like 50 rounds out of a handgun that in real life only holds eight rounds, and yeah. they never do a mag change. I mean, it's Hollywood. Yeah. They want something to be flashy and fit all in in the three seconds for your brain to process, but that, yeah. that's not how it works. And And so this is what I want to say is like, and this is what I've always hoped. And And if anyone's angry with us, I get it. I, I understand if you completely disagree with what we're saying. I normally, we, we, uh, I at least in this show have been on the side of, uh, on the other side of this here. I, I feel like I'm, I'm leaning one way, but I, I know also and understand where my bias is at this point, what, what I, what I unfortunately want to be true, uh, which is, this is another unjust killing. And so I, I, I am trying my best to maintain some sort of middle ground to say, I want to be open to what evidence continues to pour out. And I've tried to be that way in most other cases too, regardless of what side of uh, I fall on. But if you're angry at us, I get it. I understand it. Um, and I'm open to that dialogue. Leave a comment. 
on YouTube, whatever, and and let's have that conversation. I'm I'm here for it. But what I what I do want to say is this: my goal on this show is has always been to at least get us to slow down enough to have a conversation. And if we can just open ourselves up to a little bit more understanding, a tiny bit more empathy, a tiny bit more patience, so that we can actually work through some of these issues through a normal conversation, or at least through, even if it is heated, then I've accomplished my goal on this show, and and this show has accomplished that goal for, for so many listeners. And I've seen that happen time and time again, where people have messaged us, reached out to us, and said it really has changed. Uh, their their approach to conversations and and to complex topics, and I'm really grateful when that happens. But I hope that that can be true uh, for anyone listening to this episode. I know it's true for both Henry and me that that even us talking together has really helped us grow as individuals, and it's helped us grow as friends too. But I I I hope that that I can temper everything that has been talked about with that to say as this continues to unfold. Let's not take our eyes off the Chauvin case because there may still be calls for justice needed at the end of this, depending on how he's treated and what sentencing is given and all of that. And the um, appeals process, yeah. Yeah, don't take your eyes off the ball. That's if, And I think that's going to be the title of this episode is just don't take your eyes off the ball because this is a, this is a huge mess and we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, Henry, any final thoughts before I close this out? I think you summed it up well. As I said, if it's a watershed, water still got to flow into it. Any life lost is one too many. We live in a broken world. But rather than just throw our hands up in the air and go, well, it's broken. There's nothing we can do about it. Especially as people of faith, we are called to lessen the the brokenness of this Absolutely. world. That's just, that's period. That's what we're called to. And we may not know quite how to do it successfully or as effectively it needs to be. But part of that is wrestling with it, having conversations with it, and being transparent and vulnerable in that process. And that's what Ryan and I do in having these conversations, knowing that people will disagree with us. We live in a world where people disagree, and that's perfectly okay. We, we long to get to a point where people can be uniquely them, feel free to disagree, to grow together, but lives aren't lost in the disagreement. And I think that's part of the challenge we're talking about in, in, in these situations. We, we don't want to have conversations where it gets to varying degrees of escalation where lives are lost in the end of it however that looks so thank you for de-escalating by leaving comments by having conversations with us by listening and and let's keep pressing forward to where we have you know justice like mighty streams as the word would say absolutely so thank you everyone for listening if you want go check us out on YouTube go check us out on uh, Patreon if you want to support what we're doing and if you value if, if what we do brings value to you we appreciate any support thrown our way that way um, and, and just give us feedback help us keep moving in the right direction and or get back to the right direction if we've somehow gone off track but uh, we are open to that conversation um, and so thank you so much for, for supporting us for listening and, and giving us your time it means the world to us and we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>